welcome to the Landmark Theatre's Q&A podcast. Coming up, you'll hear a Q&A with director Marielle Heller and producer Peter Seraf about their film, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, moderated by Pete Hammond from Deadline Hollywood. This conversation was recorded at the Landmark in Los Angeles during the film's opening weekend. All right. Hello. My name's Pete Hammond. I'm going to moderate today. This is a really special movie, I have to say. And uh, I'm very happy to introduce you, first off, to the film's producer, Peter Seraf, right here. Yeah, right there. And the director just did uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me and Diary of a Teenage Girl. She's so talented. Please welcome Marielle Heller. Thanks, Pete. It's so funny because, you know, I've been watching the movie again for the second time since the Toronto premiere, you know, and I have that song in my head, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Mm -hmm. That scene on the subway, did that really happen? It did really happen. (laughs) I mean, it's one of those things if you wrote it in a script and it hadn't really happened, you'd be like, okay, that's too much. (laughs) But because it really happened... Could, oh, I it love that. Watching it again, I think that's my new favorite scene in oh, the movie. Oh, good. Yeah. There's so many, and you see so much the second time you see it. There's so much in this movie. My parents uh, went last night in their hometown of Alameda and took 50 people. No joke, literally 50 people. And my parents were saying, you know, on this second viewing, I just watched this time, I spent the whole time just watching Matthew Reese's performance. He's great, yeah. And they were like, it's transformative. I mean, it's, it's funny because you can watch it multiple times and have very different experiences. It's like the first time it's all about Fred and you watch Tom Hanks and you need to take in Fred. And then the second time you can really watch Matthew Reese in a different kind of way. Of course, it's not, you know, the Mr. Rogers movie. You never wanted to make that movie. Um, You know, we had that great documentary I just alluded to, Won't You Be My Neighbor, that Morgan Neville did. And someday this can be on a double Double bill bill. at the New Beverly here or something, you know. It's a good double feature. (laughs) But that told us, you know, the overall view. This is really Lloyd's story. He is the... uh, Well, we knew real... Part of what I thought was so brilliant about the script when Peter sent it to me was... Fred doesn't actually make a good protagonist of a movie. You know, for a narrative film, we need our protagonists to be pretty broken. They have to learn. They have to go on a major journey. You know, think of I, I think of all of our classic protagonists over time. They need to go on a major journey. Um, and the Odyssey, whatever. Fred is too far in his emotional evolution to be the protagonist, but he makes a great antagonist. And thinking of him as the antagonist of this story who elicits real change out of people who come into contact with him, that's what Fred really did. I mean, he, he would meet people and he had this uncanny ability to realize what somebody needed, what they were going through in their life, and to truly help them shift in a deep fundamental way. And... Uh, so we knew that the whole time. He, he couldn't be the protagonist. He was too good. It's so good. Peter, this has been around for a few years, the idea of doing this Just movie. Several years. How many? Uh, I've been working on it for about eight years. Noah and Micah first started working the on it. The screenwriters. Ten, ten years ago, Noah and Micah. The ten story. years. Yeah, and then, and then, and I, when I first read the script, I fell in love with it so much that I didn't option it. I didn't, like, put down a deposit to buy it later. I actually purchased the script and said, I will green light this movie right now and make it because it's so good. The only condition is we have to get the rights to the Fred Rogers material with the songs, the sets, the, all the things, and we have the rights to his life rights. That took six years. 
Wow. <laughs> um, and that <laughs> was, and it And took, Peter was instrumental in that well, happening. I, and, and, but it was, and the reason is that the, the people, Fred's family and his, and his, and the people who he worked with um, are very protective of his legacy, and rightly so, and don't want it to be exploited in ways that are for any means other than something really authentic. And so the only way to earn their trust was to get to know them and for them to get to know us. Oh, sorry. Just a little um, closer. Yep. To, was for them to get to know us and trust us. And the amazing thing about that experience was we got to know them. We got to know Fred a lot deeper. And we got to know the community of Pittsburgh where he lived and worked a lot deeper. And it changed us as people. Um, and we made lifelong friends. And um, so it, it was the right process. I can't say it wasn't sometimes frustrating. But um, but here we are. But amazing and authentic, you got to shoot in the actual studio that did. he did, Mr. Rogers' we, Neighborhood. We shot this in WQED, where he filmed all the episodes of The Neighborhood, in the actual Studio A, where they filmed Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. WQED fan WQED fan over there. <laughs> I wear my WQED socks a lot. Um, when I was growing up, my dad worked for KQED in San Francisco, so it all came from Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we actually, we recreated the set so meticulously. Jade Healy, our production designer, and our entire team, we found the original blueprints from 1968 when they originally built the set. We built it I mean, you can't believe the detail that, and the love that went into the rebuilding of the set. And we built it in his actual studio so much that when people who worked on the original neighborhood came in, you would watch their jaws drop. And they would take it in and go, oh my god, it's, it even smells right. <laughs> it even smells right. That's hilarious. What I loved, too, about this is the miniatures that you used throughout the movie as transitions um, and, uh, and made that you know, a, a common thing here. And that must have not been easy to put that all together. And the producer here is nodding his head. It was yeah. not easy, but it was so fun. You know, I've been talking about how when I was a kid, I used to build miniatures. And that was like the dorky thing in the script that I was so excited about was how do we put this together? Because I used to make Sculpey, my mom's an art teacher. So I spent my childhood like making miniatures. And um, the thought of getting to use the Mr. Rogers miniatures as this jumping off point for our inspiration for these miniature transitions to kind of bridge these two worlds and to keep the magic alive through the whole movie, you know, keep this sense of play that was alive. And, you know, we all got into making movies because we did things like that as a kid. You know, we made miniatures when we were kids or we did something like that. And Fred connected us all to our childhoods. You know, he reminded us all of these parts of us that wanted to make movies for some very childlike reason. And it was fun to make a movie where it was like, right, why did I want to make movies when I was a kid? How do I do that now? How do we have fun and play with the form in a way that's so playful it was just joyful, and the week we shot miniatures was one of the most fun weeks. Really we can say that because the actors aren't here. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. It was after we shot, but you got to you got a little peek behind the scenes during the credits of some of the people who worked on the miniatures, and those mad geniuses were in a warehouse. The entire prep and shoot—I mean, it was a four lot months of at least of building, building those and figuring out how that little airplane—that was the craziest Jerry rig thing in the world—was going to take <laughs> off and land in this jerky way, and all—and they had so much fun, but worked so hard. And the miniatures that they rebuilt from the original neighborhood, 
they, you know, it was perfect. Every single house was exactly how they did it in the original neighborhood. So that meant finding the the sets from the 50s, the miniature building sets oh that God. they used to build. And then if they couldn't find them, they'd have to build them from scratch. But every single house is exactly how it was in the original neighborhood. And of course, the casting is perfect. All the actors are just fantastic. Chris Cooper, everybody, Susan. Uh, Alici plays uh, Matthew's wife, Matthew Reese um, uh, as Lloyd. Um, but Tom Hanks. You've heard of him? I have. And so since you were developing this for so long, did you always have Tom Hanks, Peter, in your head that, you know, when this movie gets made, it's got to be him? And you offered it to him a few times, I think. I did. Um, you know, when you read the script, you go, this is the most beautiful script, but Fred Rogers is a really iconic character, so your stomach sinks and you go, who can play him? And then you have that great moment where you go, Tom Hanks, he could be Fred Rogers, that would be amazing. <laughs> and so we, we did, we sent it to him, he passed, he didn't want to play another real character, he had played a lot of them, he recently played Walt Disney, another iconic children's entertainer yeah. figure. Um, so he sort of was like, yeah, no. Uh, and then I think we did a new draft, we sent it to him again, he passed again, and then when Mari came on board, well, you can tell the story. Yeah, Mari she, comes on board and they tell you, you know, well, it'd be great. <laughs> well, I'll go back a little bit. So I met Tom at a birthday party in 2015, a kid's birthday party. I'm friends with his son. And my kid was there playing with all the other kids in a backyard birthday party. And I'm sitting there talking to Tom Hanks. And he says, you know, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a director. And he went, oh, you know, there was this really cool article in the New York Times this weekend about women directors in Hollywood. And I said, uh-huh, I'm, I'm in that. <laughs> and he went, oh, you are? What, 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 did you, what did you direct? And I said, oh, I just, I made a movie called The Diary of a Teenage Girl. It's a little indie. And he went, well, I should watch that. And I thought, sure, Tom Hanks, sure you're going to go watch my movie. Um, and because he's Tom Hanks and he is one of the most honest, real people in Hollywood, a week later I got an email and he said, I've watched your movie. Let's have a meeting. Oh. And we sat down and had the loveliest meeting of like, what do you want to do next? I'd love to work with you. Let's find a way to work together. And, um, but then everything he pitched me, I was kind of like, no. And then um, over the years, we kept in touch and he kept checking in with me. And I was making Can You Ever Forgive Me, the movie I made last year with Melissa McCarthy. Applaud for that. <laughs> and, um, you know, we just, we kind of stayed in touch over the years. What are you working on? What are you working on? And um, so when Peter brought me the script for this, he said, listen, we've always wanted Tom Hanks. This has been our perfect casting. He's passed three times. <laughs> and I said, well, this is weird to say, but I have a relationship with him. I mean, I could, kind of, I could ask him, and he'll probably still say no, but I'll try. One last shot, right? And um, I, I think I said, yeah, maybe there's a 2% chance. Yeah, maybe. yeah, it did not seem likely. And I, I called him and said, listen, I, I want you to know how I see this. It's, it's not a biopic. I'm not interested in making a biopic of Mr. Rogers. It's a character study. This is a very complex man, and we want to get to know him, not just in a like getting to know the facts kind of way, but in a deep way. And it's really about the cat and mouse game between these two men. And I don't want to do prosthetics. I don't want to do an imitation. I wouldn't want to do anything like that. So. Um, I think if we could pull this off, it would really mean something greater. Like it could mean something for the world. And he was like, okay, let me read it with that in mind. Knowing you're directing this, I'm gonna read it with a different eye. 
And he came back like three days later and signed on. And it, it was the greatest miracle I've ever performed. I'll never do anything that cool again. <laughs> he, he, said, he said, I really want to do it, but you have to wait a year for me. Would you wait? And we were like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think waited. we can wait. I think it was like not even a year. It was like was nine even? months. And when we started, he was like, on the very first day, I'll never forget, he came up to me and he said, thanks for waiting for me, boss. Oh. Tom Hanks always walked on set. Hey, boss, what we, what's up today? Wow. Yeah. And um, I'm going to get some questions from them. But before I do, I just got to ask you, the opening scene when he walks in, it's so coordinated. You can tell the way um, Fred Rogers always came in, took off his jacket, put on the sweater, the shoes, so perfectly it seemed every single time. How many takes did you have to do to get that right? <laughs> I mean, you can tell it's all in one one take, right? Yeah. It has to be all in one take because that's how take, they right? filmed. I know, one shot. One shot. Yeah. That's how they filmed it. So uh, I think it was twenty seven, but <laughs> the truth is there were some sweater malfunctions that happened along the way. So some of the takes got cut short. At some point, we're going to release that blooper reel of all of the sweater takes. <laughs> but we hand knit the sweaters because Fred's Fred's mother made his sweaters for him in the beginning of the show. The sweaters were all hand knit. So we hand knit the sweater that Tom wore, which meant there were some little imperfections <laughs> that caused some problems with the, the zipper. Um, but yeah, it was a big scene, getting that scene right. I remember the day we filmed that scene, you know, um, it was the first day we filmed in the studio. It was the first day we unveiled our beautiful set, which we had been spending so many months building. And um, I kind of realized how much pressure was on this moment of, is Tom going to get it right? Are we going to get this moment of Mr. Rogers right? And and I kicked everybody out. I kicked Peter out. I kicked everybody who had been working for years on this script. <laughs> and I felt so bad about it. But I was like, you guys, you all have to leave because we are asking something of Tom Hanks that is profoundly difficult. And I have to get the most intimate performance from him in this moment. And you all got to get out of here. He can't have 200 people staring at him while he does this. And we made this set very quiet and very still. And I told him to picture his granddaughter on the other side of the camera. And that was it. We were just going to do it for her. And yeah, we did 27 takes. And we were so happy when we felt like we had it. Well, I was so impressed just with the shoes because it takes me forever to get a shoe on. And also <laughs> I realized later that I made it harder on him than it had been on the real Fred because the real Fred had the first knot pre-done and I didn't do that. I had his fully <laughs> fully open and I didn't realize till after we filmed it that he actually was doing something harder than Fred did. And you know what? Margie Whitmer, Margie Whitmer was Fred's producer for many, many years on the show. Um, that show was produced by women along with Fred from the beginning. Um, and Margie Whitmer told me at the New York premiere, she said, oh, you know, we used to grease the, the zipper. I was like, Margie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you how many conversations we had with Margie about how they made the show. Why didn't she tell us <laughs> that? She never told us about the laces and she never told us about greasing. She, she wanted it to be hard for us. Oh my gosh. And I made Tom sing live, yeah. which is also not what you do in movies. Like nobody things live no. in movies <laughs> but we had this idea that everybody was totally freaked out about my brother who did the music and I were like he's got to sing live because you have to hear all the mouth sounds and the mistakes and the <clears throat> and you know the lavalier mic. and the lavalier mic it just needed to feel 
live. And there was not going to be any way to get that unless he sang live. And Tom was just so down for this. Like, he was like, great, we're going to sing live? Okay. (laughs) So he had to... Yeah, he had to do that whole thing with, you know... Fred had done that thousands of times. It was down to a science, and Tom had to do it live. And he did so well with Daniel Tiger. And I know. The, I mean, really. He really he just, puppeteered Daniel Tiger, too. Even in shots where you couldn't tell it was Tom, he would puppet him. It's amazing. It's amazing. Let's see what you guys thought. You're a first, first uh, weekend, second night audience here. Yes, right there. Okay, she's just saying that uh, your relationship in directing Tom, Tom would come and say, I got it, and then you would say, no, you don't quite have it. Um, that I'm just uh, the messenger here. Um, um, <laughs> it's funny, because I'm learning things on these on this press tour when I'm doing a lot of interviews with Tom and Matthew about like how tortured they were by me. Um, no, I love you. I know, and I adore them, and... Tom wrote me an email this morning that made me cry just talking about how much this process has meant to him. But the, the truth of the matter is I'm a, I'm a hands-on director. I'm an actor. So I come from acting. I, I don't let actors off the hook. You know, I get in the dirt with them. All right. And uh, that means sometimes I have very specific ideas about how a scene needs to sound particularly. I kind of I hear scenes before I can really see them. I kind of hear the rhythm of how a scene has to go. Um, in order to work. I, I read the script out loud a lot to myself, and I, and I kind of, I don't know, I can, I can kind of hear it. Um, but that does mean sometimes I'm really in it with the actors. And a lot of what I was doing with Tom with this, I felt like I was the authenticity police. I was there to say if something felt truthful. And the thing about Fred, if he said, how are you doing this morning? He didn't say, how are you doing this morning? He said, how are you doing this morning? You know, he took the time to really ask. And that meant I had to ask Tom to be so present in every moment. You know, I can remember this moment that is actually not in the movie anymore, but when he and Matthew were saying goodbye, Matthew says, thank you so much. And then Fred says, no, thank you. And the first time we did it, Tom said, no, thank you. And I said, I don't, I don't think you thanked him. And he went, what? And I was like, you need to thank him. Thank him. And it was like, oh, okay. You know, it's those kind of moments where I'm, I'm just there to say, no, no. We're going to really take the time to thank him in that moment. So, yeah, I guess I was a hard ass. I, I have to say, too, the scene, I no- really noticed it this time, in the um, cafe between the two of them where he says, let's have a moment of silence. That is a very kind of risky and daring thing to do in a major motion picture. And you could hear a, not hear a pin drop here watching that. They were totally wrapped. 
Well, it was a moment that was the clearest to me from the moment I read the script, what I knew that scene had to be. It's the moment Mr. Rogers, he asked kids to be active participants in his show, and we wanted our audience to be active participants in this movie. And um, the beautiful thing about Fred's message, he was known for doing that. He did that even, he did that at the Emmy Awards. He also did that at dinner parties. Um, but the beautiful thing about that scene is we would be even in the sound mix with people who'd seen this movie hundreds of times, who'd gone over the same beats, moment, 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 over and over and over again. We'd sat in the room for 12 hours a day just running over the same moments. We would be working on that scene and I would watch guys you know, working on the soundboards, doing this on their ear, and I would just see people taking a moment, thinking about the people who loved them into being and then going back to work. It was like you can't help wow. but take that time. And there's a, one thing you may not have noticed. We pan around the room in that restaurant, and we had this idea that in this moment where Fred is asking us to think about the people who loved us into being, that we would populate that restaurant with people who Fred loved. So when you pan around the room, Joanne Rogers, his wife, is there, the real Bill Eisler, David Newell, who played Mr. McFeely in the show, Margie Whitmer and Hedda Sharapin, who worked with him for decades. Wow. That's who you're seeing. So great. Um, yes, right here. Thank you. This was such a beautiful movie. It made me cry. Oh, thank you. It really made me cry. Um, my question is, did it, did it turn out that Fred Rogers and Tom Hanks are related? <laughs> this happened at our, at our New York premiere that somebody didn't... The question was, did it turn out that... Fred and Tom are actually related. And it was, it came up at our New York premiere uh, that someone did an Ancestry.com thing and it, they're actually sixth cousins related. They are sixth cousins apparently, yeah. yeah. And they share the same great, 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 great grandfather. It's right. bizarre. I mean, we learned the first time that we had dinner with Tom and Joanne, the, the coincidence that Fred and Joanne's wedding anniversary is Tom's birthday. And so my was, parents' wedding and anniversary. Parents' too. wedding anniversary. So it's like, that was a weird coincidence. And also, Fred was really into numerology, so the fact that like right. there were these number, like 143 was his, he had all of these things about numbers, so when number things would come up, it felt very connected and weird. Yeah. And then, and then it felt, yeah. And then we just, we all learned that on the same day. It's wild. Yes, ma'am. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> hey, wow! You should have been right. in a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> there you are. Yay. Yes! Woo. Nice sweater. <laughs> um, I want to thank you for finally bringing this to life and opening it on the 56th anniversary of the day that Jack Kennedy was shot. You might have opened this whole I think so too. Oh, and you. on that note, I have to get them somewhere, but you know, tell your friends to go see yes. a beautiful day in the neighborhood and spread a little kindness too. Thanks a Thank lot, guys. You. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to the Landmark Theaters Q&A podcast. 
you want to hear more conversations with filmmakers about the latest independent, foreign, and documentary films opening at Landmark Theaters, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or visit our podcast website at landmarktheaters.podbean.com. You can also check out our YouTube channel for videos of Q&As and other exclusive content. See you next time.